ready? I'm ready, mate. All right, let's go start recording there. And here we are with the second installment of the Lenjoir MMA show. How are you doing, my friend, with Mr. Carson Lenjoir himself? Not too bad, man. How are you doing? You all right? You like the, um, yeah, the new cool, name mate, of it all? Mmm. Liking it a lot. <laughs> I'm going to say I thought you might. It's good stuff. Uh, just FYI to everyone, yeah. it's sponsored by Fight Fuel UK. Be sure to check them out, you know, protect our sponsors, support the, po- uh, support the sponsors, support the podcast. There we are, that's what we want to plug there. So, 100%. today, we have witnessed quite a card. And on that card, there's a lot to talk about. But with this being said, Cage Warriors, if nothing else, this Fight Island has shown us all, is how prominent Cage Warriors is for UK talent and upcoming talent. Anyway, everyone looks like McGregor and stuff, but if nothing else, this should have put a proper stamp on it. So let's talk through the prelims. So who, off the bat, of the performances, which one stood out to you the most? First one comes to mind. First one that comes to mind, for me, performance-wise, was actually Jar Herbert. Because mm. he looked so slick. And was doing so well. Hurt the guy two, three, four times. Um, and then, unfortunately, got caught. But he looked absolutely amazing um, during the fight himself. I remember watching it thinking, like, uh, I, I, I watched the main card live. Um, for timing over here, it's perfect for me in Thailand. I got up at 7 a.m. this morning and watched the main card live. Um, the prelims started at, like, 4 in the morning over here. So, so, for me, I didn't watch that. And then I re-watched... Uh, the prelims, all the prelims with my breakfast. Um, and I was watching it and I didn't actually know the results, but I noticed that there had not been many things posted on Instagram about him. So I'm like, oh, I wonder why there's not been any sort of anything sort of said about him. And then I'm watching the fight and I'm like, God, this guy's fucking, you know, he's playing with the guy, he's bullying him a little bit, you know. The, the, his, his jab was absolutely electric and his right hand was just like fucking so accurate, straight on the chin, straight splitting the guard every time. And then, unfortunately, like we like we saw in the you know third round, he's got he's got caught with. Uh, I hate saying a lucky punch because every punch is thrown to land, so I don't really call them lucky punches. But he got he got caught with a good punch. Um, so unfortunately, but he was the one that stood out more than anybody, I think, personally. I mean, there was so much with that fight as well. I mean, if you see like Jai Herbert's fights like throughout his career, and like Cage Warriors prime example. Like his fight against like Jack Grant, you see that kind of clinical fundamentals, that kind of patient, that timing, the fainting, the footwork, the footwork. It was stressful watching that. You could imagine being Trinaldo watching that sort of bouncing in and out. You could see him just sort of overreaching and see Jai Herbert sort of loading everything. Oh, that is just like, it's just tense. Any minute he's just going to get his lights put out. It's absolutely spot on. And then to get caught with a sort yeah. of, well, I'll say wild shot because again, it's unorthodox, not something sort of expected as such. Yeah. But I'll tell yeah. you who really stood out throughout the whole night was Herb Dean. I don't know what was going on with him, but he seemed to want a bit of vendetta against some of the guys to sort of let him take some damage. Uh, yeah. It was a strange one. Dan Hardy was going livid. Did you hear him? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dan Hardy went absolutely mental. Yeah. Dan Hardy went absolutely mental. And he was still having a go at him right up until the, uh, the, the interview with um, Trinaldo. So he's, he's still sort of like having a go at him, talking to to Herb Dean and then he's like oh, oh I'm on TV shit <laughs> best do my job um, yeah Dan was Dan was not happy with him one little bit I mean because you've got to give him um, there's always a bit of discretion I hear okay 
or well, he's, he's scrambling as he's recovering, but if he's sort of gone stiff, even if he starts to recover afterwards, you think, oh, is it worth it? And some, some of it is a bit too light. Yeah. Like prime examples of the Tom Aspinall fight. Tom Aspinall, another prime example of absolute clinical footwork and light on his feet. Oh, 100%. If you see like, if you, if you spoke to Tom Aspinall before, I've had him on the podcast, little plug there. He <laughs> trains with all sorts of different size guys. Now for a heavyweight, what I really like about him is he's a good training partner. Now he's not trying to sort of knock everyone out. He's moving around. He's learning. He's moving. Again, with that pro boxing background, you could just see it. Like there was another guy. Who was it on the other prelim? Another heavyweight. A Canadian bloke. What was his name? Tanner Bossa, that's it. Uh, Tanner Bonza, yeah. Was it? With the, uh, the coolest hair on the card. Exactly. And again, this just got to throw that in there. Just drop it in there. I mean, <laughs> that, again, that heavyweight kind of footwork. I mean, when you hear heavyweight, you hear sort of, you know, Fee five five fun, plant my feet and swing, hopefully hit the chin, and that's about it. But no, Big these guys, uh, yeah, 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 clinical, absolutely, mm, absolutely. Clinical. Now the question now is, who would you like to see Jai Herbert come back again? So let's sort of jump, jump around the prelims a bit. So Jai Herbert has an unfortunate blip against a veteran. Yep. He's done really well in the performance, really stood out. What what sort of prospect of lightweight do you reckon would be a good one for him to? I don't know, get back on the horse, so to speak. I don't know, it's a tough one. Um, I wouldn't mind you seeing anybody again because I think he proved that he'd be there. And like you said, he got a wild shot. So I think he, he, he could. But I'd like to see him maybe... Although he's not ranked, you know, he's been in there with some savages. You know, Felder was talking uh, during the commentary about how fucking how hard his elbows are and, you know, how he's still got fucking, you know, he's still got a sore head from the elbows he got hit with and, you know, how strong he is and stuff like that. So it wasn't an easy fight to come straight into your debut. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe some, some guy that's sort of like on the same sort of level as him, you know, he's had maybe like, eight to ten fights and just on his way sort of up something like maybe an, an unknown person sort of like like Jar Herbert to us is not an unknown person obviously from the UK but you know people in America wouldn't have a clue who he is really so maybe somebody who's you know he's doing well on the local shows in America and then sort of getting his way into into the UFC or or maybe one of for the contender series um, somebody coming off that that would be a that would be a quite a good fight for him It'd be an interesting one like a sort of a Luis Pena maybe someone like you know, awkward fighter kind of like, you know, I've got a bit of a name, still like that sort of, I don't know, they're both in that kind of trajectory to try and yeah. go upwards, but not too high profile that they don't, so not worth is the wrong kind of wording, but again, not like eligible in the same kind of like ranking system. But again, it's See, I would say Lewis Pena would be a little bit of a step up just because he's got that name with the tough and do you know what I mean? He's already fighting mm. sort of like high level people. I'd like to see him maybe sort of stay at the same kind of level and even maybe drop down one just to get that confidence back, you know? You know, he, you know, as well as he did and as mean as he looked, he suffered a big knockout loss. So that's going to damage his confidence a little bit. So maybe he'd like to see him step down a little bit. Like I say, get somebody that's fresh, you know, you know, 8-0 and or 8-1 and on the local scene in America and then, you know, somebody like that rather than a Lewis Pena who's already got a name. We already know how, how tough he is and, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's pretty slick boxing-wise and he's got some, some good subs himself. So maybe, maybe just a little bit of a step back. It would be interesting as well. I mean, stylistically, 
like Ronaldo, I mean, if you see some of Jai's fights as well, it's interesting who he comes up against. And I think his one submission win, that was pretty much off of a knockout anyway, pretty much. And again, it's that kind of, he adapts yeah. to a lot of different adversity. But again, this isn't the sort of Jai Herbert show. Let's try, let's move on to throughout the prelims a little bit. Right. Let's play around yeah. a bit. So I tell you who really stood out to me. So our man, Mike Grundy, a lot of time from a lot of respect yes. for him, but his opponent, Mosvar Evloev, I can't say his name, his wrestling, like, <laughs> it, it was unreal. Like, you got to appreciate the caliber of wrestler that Mike Grundy is. But Commonwealth medalist? Yeah, is Commonwealth right? medalist. He's yeah. unreal. Lives and breathes wrestling. But see, Blue Earth sort yeah. of just deal with it. Now, normally when you hear that kind of, sort of skill differential, differential, it normally comes across like, oh, I made him look like he didn't know what he was doing, all this kind of thing. But no, it just looked like he was just that step ahead and that sort of composure as well, yeah. and that gas tank. I mean, 100%. you can see he's walking around, Evlo, walking around with his feet so close together, knowing that if he gets taken down, he's going to pop up anyway. Just completely careless. Yeah. And I love that. And everything he, else. He wasn't bothered about the takedown at all. I'm doing him wrong. Mike Grundy, oh my God, some of them takedowns, I was like, some of the timing on, mm. on the double legs, especially in the first round, was absolutely beautiful. And like you say, Mike Grundy, absolute you know, beast on a wrestling mat and beast in a cage. But the fact that he just he was just throwing shots because he wasn't bothered about Mike Grundy changing levels. Because as soon as he hit the floor, he was popping pretty much straight back up. The only time he got in trouble was obviously with the darts. And how the hell did he get out of that? He was going purple. That I mean, was ridiculous. <laughs> how is he still His face, he's like, like pulling faces and all sorts. And like, then popped out and jumped up like, like nothing had just happened. But this is the cardio as well. It makes you wonder how he's got that kind of composure. You can see sort of Grundy after that. like Because you've sparred yourself. you fought before. You know after a big sort of takedown scramble exchange, get back to your feet. You take a second yep. to sort of catch your breath back and recalibrate. Those guys are doing that. They're going to strike back into it straight away. There's no kind of pause, no, no. time to reset. And yeah. I don't know how they had that gas tank <laughs> to keep doing that. Just out of just disorientation, nothing else. 100% because I know for a fact Mike Grundy and, and everybody else in the UK is training their arse off. So he's as fit as he could possibly be. But it's just like the guy was on a different level with the gas tank. It was crazy. I don't know what they do that's different to make you be that fit. I have no idea. I mean, it'd be really interesting I'd to see how... I'd um, training session. I would love to just be a fly in the wall from any of those sessions, really, to see how they kind yeah, of literally. deal with that. It'd be interesting to see yeah. what's next to Mike Grundy in that sense. Because again... Obviously, being predominantly known for his wrestling, comes up against a wrestler, and when that's been nullified, is then what else happens there onwards? So it'd be interesting to see, regards yeah, to his strategy definitely. and his training, how he can then, I don't know, expand on that kind of not skill set, preferences as such. I want to say. Yeah, I think he's he's that used to being obviously so dominant with his wrestling. He maybe needs to take take a step back and work on his hands a little bit more, because uh, then if the wrestling does go the way it did in this fight, then he's a little bit more confident. You don't have to worry about the takedown as much in sort of second and third round. I mean, this is also something that's a bit of a concern when it comes to the more experienced, the more veteran guys, is that they kind yeah. of, okay, this is the way I do it. But that willingness to sort of change when push comes to shove. But I'll tell you what I was really impressed with was Colin's kind of approach in the corner. Because again, it wasn't a case of, okay, no effort and Jeffy, no shout, none of that, you know, but it's a case of, okay, You've won that round. He, he's won that one. Okay, can you win one more round? We just need five more minutes. Again, the sort of bit more composure. Yeah. Very much like, because obviously everyone's heard of how scary Colin is and how like, you know, 
the Calvin <laughs> kind of level of, you know. I, I've met him in the change room on a couple of shows and he's a scary guy. And I remember I was in the car with him, Jordan the other day and he was saying about Corrin's got sort of piercing blue eyes, just terrifying. Sort of, just looks at you think, right, stares in your soul. You think, oh, no, I'm all right. I don't want to go there. He's <laughs> too scared. Yeah, definitely. And again, on top of that, speaking of Calvin guys, Tom Aspinall, I was sort of touched on again his um, performance. Now, yep. have you followed him throughout his Cage Warriors career? I've seen him once or twice and didn't really take that much of attention of him, to be honest. Uh, well, not that I didn't take attention of him. Mm. I just kind of like didn't sort of know who he was and what his kind of background was. But then obviously hearing about, hearing in the build-up for this fight and, and obviously watching him on this card, he, he, looked, he looked great. Um, and he was fighting a guy who's not normally a heavyweight. Have this you seen is, the photos yeah. difference from like middleweight up to heavyweight? You look like a different person. Like in the build-up, the little build-up they have with the montage and yeah. stuff like that, I was like, that's not the same guy. That's, that's, it's not the same guy. It makes you wonder why he's gone that far up because you kind of get one weight division thing. Okay, it's quite a big cut. It's just whatever. It seems like he might yeah. Have, oh yeah, I don't know the bloke. I'm not going to speak out of turn, but again, he does... No, something in there didn't feel like I don't know not all invested I want to say just come across very much like okay taking the foot off a gas maybe with a weight cut is one thing but then what else is sort of taking the foot off What what's the next kind of that thing wasn't just a weight cut yeah a little bit more that wasn't just a yeah that wasn't just a weight cut like, like I say I don't know the guy I don't know the circumstances behind it but that definitely was not just a weight cut that was a lot of trips to McDonald's <laughs> which I'm gutted about you putting that picture up a mcdonald's and i haven't had a mcdonald's for like a year i mean so i love living on this island but we don't have a but, mcdonald's it's a little you know it's one of the downsides <laughs> you enjoy your rice bowls don't you worry about that you're all fine <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get what you gotta get now on That's top of that it. in general i'm gonna sort of dart between a couple of things so yep. also happened yesterday the empire grappling island invitational show thing I was yes. well impressed with that. So shout out to Jake Cross and all those guys to put on that kind of show and that kind of mix yeah. of talent. Now, I thought I have so much respect for him to also getting like white belts and blue belts on that show because again, it's very intimidating, these kind of big events that okay, when you're novice training, think how can I ever get to that stage? And to be given a, a sensible opponent and good platform to really get your not just in your name, but that kind of different experience. I mean a lot of time for that. Now Grappling events in a cage, I think that should be the future. What do you think of that? I love grappling events in a cage. Um, I liked the fact that, um, so I heard a little bit of a sort of podcast build up thing that the Empire guys were, were talking about. And um, they, no, they mentioned Riley, uh, which obviously is a friend of mine from back home in Nottingham, mm. uh, old training partner. Um, and he was the only one of everybody who fought yesterday, who actually said, can I use the cage to do takedowns? Which I think was a brilliant question from Riley. Um, because obviously, you know, grapplers are used to a matted area. There's no walls. There's no sort of like pinning your guy up against the fence and using the sort of like MMA style sort of takedowns. Um, but I, I love the fact that they're doing grappling comps in cages now. I would be definitely interested in doing some of them in the future. And really cool idea. That is again, this is a real sort of test to sort of rise sort of maturity. Because again, if you see his match, it was composed, smart decisions, not rushing oh, yeah. things. And again, my concern no. with seeing Riley sort of competing is seeing him training with Shane so much and seeing the level Shane's at. 
almost trying to replicate that and trying to, I don't know, rush his sort of journey to try and catch up with Shane. But again, it's very yeah. good to see his sort of maturity and seeing how he's having his own like matches, his own experiences and making his own name. And again, he really showed that yesterday. And on top of that, anyway. Like, oh, yeah, he, he looks awesome. He looks awesome. I haven't trained with him for obviously a long time. The actual last time I saw him was over here. Uh, him, Paul, uh, Jim, and a couple of uh, Mark, uh, a few of the lads actually uh, came over to Thailand for a few weeks. So they came over and actually visited me. Um, so that was the last time I actually saw him. I haven't trained with him for a while, but yeah, he looks awesome yesterday. Um, everything about him, I love the way he pushes the pace. Um, even though it's a grappling match, he doesn't sort of sit back and sort of like be, you know, grappling matches can be a little bit slower and a little bit more like chess matches sometimes. But Riley's one of them guys really pushes the pace. You know, he went for the Imanari role, you know, just crazy sort of like techniques. He wasn't too worried about putting himself in bad positions. I just liked his whole style. It's really, really good. And awesome to watch as well for a grappling. Um, for just a pure grappling, it was yeah, awesome to watch. That's the kind of style that I like to watch. Definitely. And that what you said there is absolutely fucking spot on. I love jiu-jitsu. I can't watch jiu-jitsu most of the time. <laughs> when it comes to these kind of styles, eight minutes, perfect. That kind of style, perfect. You can watch that. Anyone can watch that. If you don't know what's going on, you think, oh, fucking hell, it's all kicking off. You know, top, bottom, this, that, and the other. It's active. Yeah. Right, as much as much as I love a fifty-fifty heel hook, it's yeah. not always the most um, easiest thing to sort of take in. But again, throughout that anyway, <laughs> using that wall nope. and changing that like level of wrestling and that kind of control is so different. Because again, from your like time training as well, you appreciate as well the amount the wall diff makes a difference, and the amount of takedowns and everything else. Yeah. Like even on the bottom, trying to do like an arm bar off your back when your head against the wall. How fun doing that! It is horrible. <laughs> Try and use your cover to get stacked. Yes. Just being pushed up against the wall full stop is horrible. But again, I love the idea of that because that was my sort of style. I, I like the Randy Couture sort of dirty, sort of push them against the fence with, you know, grate their face up against the fence, like that, make it horrible and uncomfortable and then hit them with knees and elbows and punches and stuff like that. Obviously, you take away the knees, elbows and punches, but you can still grind them against the fence. You can still pin them, do the single legs, double legs up against the fence. I, I love that sort of, the, the idea of, of doing the grappling in the cage. And again, like you just said, you know, they did break it a few times and bring them into the middle. But, you know, for, for them few seconds, if you want to really make it uncomfortable and stack them up against the fence, you know, give them something to think about. And then you come into the middle and, you know, you can even sort of like use it to, to walk yourself back towards the fence and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I like the idea of cage, cage grappling. It's great. It just gives an extra sort of layer to it as well. And it comes to like, I don't know, it makes it a bit more, it keeps the sport evolving. And yeah, if nothing else, like... I don't know. There's a, a few things now I really want to make a note of. It. Uh, one of the female competitors, Dakota, she's um, 3 0 as an amateur. And she got a really nice takedown off the fence. I think she sort of had her opponent like across single leg position and sort of did like a lateral, lateral drop. And then yep. through that sort of MMA yeah, kind of style that, grappling. Yeah. I mean, MMA grappling, if you hear, <laughs> it's like when you say like Polish MMA guy, like you sort of can get, imagine it in your head a regular sort of, you know, the Pitbull Rash Guard and like the rest of it. You can kind of. But MMA grappler, again, it's like you imagine the elbows in the sort of <laughs> in the knees, all this kind of stuff, the sort of smothering, and all this kind of style. And I feel this is part of the evolution as well. And it's not making it so, you know, you get the conflict of jiu-jitsu versus MMA of thinking, oh, it's not technical, it's not this, that, and it's not very clean. 
I think this is like that hybrid. This is like a bit of, okay, you kind of have to be a bit more rough and ready, but you also have to be technical. It's that. Yeah. Love. A little bit more dirty. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Make it dirty. It's fine. <laughs> all, good, all fair love and war and all that kind of stuff. Now, again, oh, I'm, I'm I, I always just um, tell my guys, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So, you know, it's okay to make it a little dirty. It's only cheating if you get caught. <laughs> this yeah, is it. that's it, yeah. <laughs> now, our mutual friend and absolute superstar, Shane Curtis, how impressed were you with him? Yeah. Wow. I didn't realise how big the guy was that he was fighting to start with. That guy looked like a monster. I loved his shorts. I give him, uh, give him props for that. Big fan of the pink. Um, but yeah, Shane looked absolutely amazing. That was such a slick triangle as well. Absolutely beautiful. The way he, uh, the way he went from uh, neon belly into mount and then into the triangle was, you know, I take my hat off to him. Shane's, he's a top guy, and I'm, I'm sure that's the second time they've competed. So it's one apiece now, if I'm, if I'm right. Yeah, that's um, correct. But yeah, like coming off a, off a loss to a guy in a grappling competition is always going to play on your mind. So I think that was a, that was a one for Shane. And I think the way he stood up afterwards and he was like, yeah, that, that was the, that was like the real me sort of thing. Yeah. I was, re- I, I was really happy for him. I'm really impressed. I mean, this is a huge part of it as well. I mean, coming off of that, the Polaris sort of defeat is the real thing. I wanted to really make a point of this yep. because again, he's built me, building his name in the grappling like community. That, okay. He's a force we reckon with. He's a high-level purple belt, pretty brown belt, but we'll call him purple belt for now. And he's, 100%. Yeah. He's, he's doing this well. He's beating all these like, high-level black belts. And when he's given this opportunity in the big show, for whatever reason, like mentally, he didn't quite show up. But it's then mm-hmm. that revalidation for himself. Okay, I belong there. That was just a blip. That's not yeah. who I am. And to see him come back so quickly and really just yeah. compose. Because again, when you're against someone who's a lower belt in the sense of normally being the underdog in the sense of you're a purple belt against black belts, it's win-win. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're against someone, the equivalent of, okay, a blue belt who's high level, you know, it's a lose-lose situation essentially. And then it's been yep. reversing the whole situation. And it's just really interesting seeing his composure. I mean, this is where I like picking his brain other sort of high-level competitors when it comes to these situations. That when you come to this sort of adversity, because again, if you're like a normal... I don't know, like a white belt comp wherever down the road. No one gives a shit if you win or lose. No one sees it. Whereas if it's on no. a stream and people are watching you, people are supporting you, it plays in your mind a bit. I can't help but feel. As soon as you put that word super in front of a fight, there you go. As soon as you put the word super fight and then the people start listening. Now, regards to your training and competitions and the rest of it, would you like to have a yep. quote-unquote super fight? Or would you, or would you like to compete again in like jiu-jitsu or anything like that? Or is it a case of just right time right place yeah a bit of both really um i do like the 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 sort of like competition format because coming from a judo background that's all i ever did when i was a kid um and teenager sort of thing um i do like the super fight thing it's i like i love what what's happening in grappling right now like when i was when i was competing even at mma and and, and doing grappling competitions it literally was just competitions there was no sort of like big stage for, for grapplers to go out there and do what Shane is doing. Um, so I do really enjoy this sort of like one-off sort of fights and, you know, there's been a little build-up and there's actually commentary now and, and stuff like that. What the guys at Empire did yesterday was absolutely brilliant. And, you know, I've seen a few 
sort of shows that and now obviously you know Chelsea uh, Sonnen's got his own one over in America which is huge uh, being Chelsea Sonnen's um, but yeah what the guys did yesterday for Empire is you know is as good as that um, for the UK guys brilliant so yeah doing something like that you know might interest me one day in the future um, wouldn't be just yet but yeah maybe maybe I need to step up my level of grappling though to be honest I've, I've hardly done any over the last few years um, I definitely need to step myself up before I before I got back into even thinking about competing or or doing a super fight. Now, in that in itself is really interesting, and I can't help but feel with it because the Empire Grappling plane they had there, I feel it was so in their own right. They really sort of solidified that that okay, they've got something there. And if you see the sort of submission underground that Chelsea Sanders won, did you see? Have you seen those matches like the Craig Jones one? The recently was a bit of controversy. Yes, yeah, yeah, I've seen a few of them now. Yeah, because the Craig Jones one, we think he yelped when he had um in a body triangle and he got stopped for like a verbal submission or something like this. And it all gets very confusing. It gets yeah. all, I don't know. Refing's not the best job in the in the, <laughs> in the best of times, but ref. Have you ever have you ever refed yourself? Nope, but I don't intend to. <laughs> no, yeah, I've I've done a bit myself, and it is it's really intimidating. Obviously, you know, going back to the Herb Dean thing, you know, he's one of the best in the business. You know, he always will be sort of thing. But, um, yeah, he made a few mistakes today. And now all anybody's going to be talking about is those mistakes for a while now. Um, it is such an unforgiving job, definitely. And like I say, I've done it myself. And it, you know, it's hard. It's, when you're in there, you kind of, you want to give the fighters the best chance they can to kind of win. But you also got to try and protect them a little bit as well. And it goes the same with the grappling as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, Especially with, especially with grappling, I guess a little bit more rather than, or, or amateur MMA. When it comes to like arm bars and leg locks and heel hooks and stuff like that, you know, people have to go to work. Um, not right now because obviously COVID, but um, <laughs> you know, generally people have to go to work the next day. You know, you, they compete on a Saturday or a Sunday and they've got to go to work on a Monday. Um, so stopping an arm bar just because somebody's not, you know, tapped yet, but it looks like their arms about to snap. You know, it's, it's down on the on the referee. You know, they get sort of like a bad name for, oh, you stopped it. I didn't actually tap. You know, I, I shouldn't have lost that fight. But, you know, you've got to go to work the next, you know, you got to go to work on a Monday. So, yeah, referees get a, you know, it's a hard time being a referee. I mean, this is where I was so impressed with like the sort of local guys, like say Paul Nichols, for example, he's been refereeing all over the place. Oh. And in that kind of like composure, that kind of confidence. And again, this that is guy's a hundred percent. And he knows what he's saying. Oh, he's one of the best, one of the best referees in the UK, without a shadow of a doubt. That goes for kickboxing and uh, MMA. You know, obviously, I I know him pretty well. I work with him a lot on um, Battle Arena. Um, but yeah, I, literally, he's such a good referee. And again, it's just that kind of confidence. Because again, if you say something yeah. and you're wrong, or you're not sure, people will smell that. Whereas if you make a decision, okay, I know what I've seen. I like, Prime example, Dan Moverheady, if you see his fight, I think it was Modestus' fight, with the quote-unquote illegal elbows, which weren't illegal, didn't need to see a replay, yep. he said, I know what I saw. Watch the replay back, absolutely yep. fine. But even then, he didn't need to see, he knew what he saw. And that's the kind of conviction yep. you need. You need that kind of, okay, I am the professional, I'm in charge, I know what's going on. Because without that, yeah, no, no one's going to listen to you, no one's going to respect you. Now, to go back onto nope. the card itself. Now, let's talk about the absolute 
I don't I don't know what word to use. It's Phenom Kazmat against um Reese McKee. That guy he's unbelievable. You know, he fought at what middleweight ten days ago and then he fights at welterweight, absolutely destroys both people without even I think taking a punch. And then he calls out both divisions and says he's gonna smash them all. I can't fault the guy. <laughs> he, he's unreal. I mean, Reese McKee, I was so heartbroken seeing that because I, I've been following him since Bama. Like, I remember the first fight yeah. I saw with him. When was it? Was it the... Um, oh, it wasn't the Terry Brazier one before that. A couple like maybe the Richie Smollin one. Mm. But again, he's just been active. He's always been grinding away. And have you seen his call with Graham Borland when he got the call to go to the UFC? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Goosebumps. Absolutely loved that. It was just so... Yeah. You could just feel it. So he's kind of... Just we really wanted to emotion, have his yeah. I think, oh, you can see him say, oh, I don't care who it is I want to go. You think, oh, it could have been an absolute up in the sunset. And then what? So now he's come against an absolute monster. He's been mauled. Now what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, that's another hard one. Um, you know, he's going to get another shot. It's, it's, you know, but that... that kind of spoil that's happened now after, like you said, after the phone call with Graham Boylan and, you know, the emotion and everything and, and how it was, you know, if you'd have won that first fight in the UFC, it would have been like a dream come true sort of thing. And now, and especially sort of like the way you lost as well was, you know, it was hard, but um, he'll, he'll come back. He's, he's, a, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a grinder, like you say, he works hard. So and I think he'll come back and he'll do all right. He'll get a couple of good wins in the UFC. Um, just hopefully you get somebody who's not so much of a savage in his next one. I mean, this is, it's always an interesting one. It's a double-edged sword because you don't want people having sort of spoon-fed fights and you don't want them getting scored absolute veterans. So it becomes a bit of a funny one. Now, without going into too much detail on the rest of the card, upcoming events, who would you like to see next for Darren Till? Because again, after the Whitaker result, again, I'm going into details of the whole five rounds, but Let's just go into the, what's next. So, trajectory. Okay. So, Darren Till was number six in the world, I think, before he went into this fight. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we know the result. Darren Till lost. Um, it wasn't a good fight for him at all. Um, I think he's just, he just, he just never really got started. Um, but where he goes from here, don't know. <laughs> uh, it's a hard one because he's got such a big name. You know, he's already had a title fight at Waterweight. Um, he's got such a big name. He's beat um, who did he beat in his last fight? Gastelum. Uh, Gastelum. Kevin mm-hmm. Gastelum. Yep, Kevin Gastelum. So he's already beat him, which is one of the, the bigger names, obviously, you know, in the middleweight division. Um, I really don't know who I would put him with next. I want Mike Perry. Maybe Gastelum too. I want Mike, Mike Perry. Mike Perry would be a fucking an amazing fight. But again, Mike Perry is a welterweight, not a middleweight. That doesn't matter. They'll go catch but it. They'll work I, it out. I don't get... Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think he'd quite happily just fucking go up for that fight. Raw dog him. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, a Mike Perry fight would be, you know, that's, 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 that's a fan's dream, that one. But um, as far as where he goes from now, Gastelum rematch would be quite cool. But again, they've just fought each other. Maybe somebody different. But um, they are both coming off losses, so possibly. 
I mean, again, it's an interesting one. I think what I'd like to see from Till would be another kind of something to a Gastelum, like a a welterweight who fights a middleweight. That kind of like okay, because the thing with Whitaker is fucking massive. I mean, so is Till, but like Whitaker's massive. So it'd be interesting to yeah. see someone a bit more of a I don't know, because again, it's similar to like the Wonder Boy fight where it's a lot of trying to be too technical, trying to play out too much, but again, without that kind of pulling the trigger. And it gets even more yep. interesting when you see the, well, no, the Masvidal fight. That's a, com- a sort of comparison from there. It's the other end of that, trying to practically finish and then getting caught. It makes yep. you wonder what's going on in his mind, because prior to the think, was the Woodley fight, he was undefeated in MMA, I think? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's had quite a few, like he's taken quite a few like losses since then. But the way he's handled them, as much as it's been come across very mature and very like you know he gets it, I'm curious how it actually affects him. Actually affects him, like regards of his performance and anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. a loss is always going to affect you in some kind of way. You know, whether you sort of disguise it with how you're coming across, um, it's always going to affect him, and his confidence is going to start. You know, he's lost a few now, like you said. And he's, he's going to start affecting his confidence. So, um, I just, I just, I don't know. He just needs to maybe change his style up a little bit. Um, like you say, he, he comes across very technical and sort of very sort of patient. And he's playing that sort of like trying to set traps and stuff like that. But it's just not really helping him much at the moment. I mean, that's. The only reason why Whitaker really won that fight was because he did a little bit more than Till. The fight wasn't the most interesting to watch, really. Um, I, I was sat with my friends watching it in a bar here, actually, in the morning. And um, we were kind of having a bit of a, a laugh about how the commentary sort of like, oh, it's a, it's a very technical fight, um, rather than saying it was a little bit boring. Um, and they came out with, you know, oh, there's some... Uh, really sort of like uh, you know high level striking you know setting traps going on here and it's basically they were just saying that it was a little bit boring because none of them were really sort of pulling, pulling the trigger too much um, so yeah it was I love Till Till he's great I've loved him since he first got into the UFC but um, he needs to maybe step it up a little bit while he's fighting um, it's alright trying to set the traps if the traps work, but they've not seemed to work in his last few fights. I mean, this again, it might be like opponent-wise, stylistically, how it comes against. Yeah. And it depends on, I don't know, I mean, Yoram would be an interesting one. It's a bit more practically trying to wrestle, even though he doesn't wrestle. I don't know why. He, yeah. he's, he levels a wrestler, he doesn't wrestle anymore. He just sort of stands and bangs. Yeah. And again, it's all sort of stylistically as to who would be an interesting matchup. Now, on top of that as well, big Rob Whitaker, the Reaper. Who's next for him, do you reckon? It's got to be Izzy, surely. The rematch? Hmm. Um, I don't know. Who have we got? So, we've got, obviously, Izzy's champ. Yep. Costa's number one. Whitaker's number two. Um, who's number three down that list at the moment? Uh, Yo Romero. But, obviously, they've, you know, they've, they've played it out a few times now. So, I wouldn't be... Just who's next in that division? I'm just pulling that up now. Let's have a look. You've seen middleweights. Uh, is it Hermerson? Is that how, how it said? Who just beat Kelvin Gastelum? Jared Caron- Cannonier is number four. Cannonier, yeah. Okay. 
Okay, it's interesting. Paolo Costa. Yeah, Izzy Whitaker. Costa. It's got to be um, Izzy next purely for um, fairness, I'd say, because it gets quite tricky when it comes to this sort of level. Regards of how much more do you expect them to? I don't know. Fight to prove what they've already proved. Essentially, I mean, the title yeah. system is a bit of a funny one, anyway. Because it's in math. How could one person be the best when they could be beaten by someone else? And if you're undefeated, um, yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a I don't know. It all gets very interesting. Yeah, um, I mean, Izzy could be next, but Izzy's got to get past Costa first. That one's already booked him right for it is indeed. September. Speaking of, of September, possibly. That reminds me. Speaking of upcoming events, we have the trilogy. We have Stipe and DC. Stipe and DC. What are you thinking? I'm going for DC. See, whatever happens, I, well, no one's going to like Stipe. Heart overhead. I don't know if that's a heart overhead, but I love DC. He's fucking mint. See, I love them both. I feel Stipe is going to win this one. But regardless of what happens to Stipe, I feel he's not going to gain any respect either way. (laughs) And everyone's going to be... Unfortunately not. It's a shame, but it's one of these people, for some reason, he's just not got that. I don't know, I think they try not to market him because he's a part-time fighter. (laughs) He's a part-time and firefighter as well. He's sort of... I don't know, it's an interesting sort of concept. They should should push that, surely. Mm. You would have thought they'd push that even more so. But uh, yeah, I'm still going for DC. I don't know. I, I think DC is clever enough to know that, you know, he didn't perform his best in the second fight. And I think he's clever enough to make the changes that he needs to, to you know, grind it out for that third fight. I think you'll see a different sort of... I don't think he'll be headhunting as much as he was in the second. I think the first fight obviously got to him a little bit, thinking, oh, I'll just clip him again and I'll knock him out. Um, and then obviously Stipe ended up being, you know, real tough in the second one. First couple of rounds, he was like, you know, on the back foot. And then, you know, when he started using their body shots, really sort of took over in, that, in the third and fourth round. And then obviously they finished him in the fourth, was it? Or fifth? Uh, either. Um, mm. But So I think DC is clever enough to know that he needs to change his tactics and he can't head on it again like he did in the second. So I think he, I think you might see him wrestle a little bit more. Uh, maybe sort of like tire, tire Stipe out a little bit with the wrestling. Um, I, I really want to see DC come back and, and take this third fight. And then that's it. That's him done. He's going to ride off into the sunset and, and be one of the best commentators that we have at the UFC now. So I'm going to throw this out there. Out of nowhere, Stipe pulls out, Brock Lesnar stands in last minute, and then he gets his payday, <laughs> and then everyone gets what they want. <laughs> and then Stipe gets that would be an absolute dream for, for DC. Uh, whether that's going to happen, I don't know. Maybe Brock Lesnar Imagine. runs down halfway through the fight, jumps over the side of the cage with a steel chair. Hell of a sound, it? Maybe more likely. Yeah. Hits them both, picks up the belt, and runs off with it, like, you know. Old w, full WWE style. It's a Vince McMahon and um, Dana White main event. That's what we want. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> 100%. All right, my friend. We'll call it a show there. Where can people find you on the old social media? Social media, Carson Langeois on Instagram and Carson M. Langeois on uh, Facebook. 
And remember, guys, if you want to send it any topics or any questions, send it to fisticuffs underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Cool.